Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Also, follow us everywhere on social at DIY Money Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the video on YouTube. We've got some awesome bonus content there. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. Daniel, we're back again. We are together. That was about three minutes since we did the last yeah, one. Yeah, people don't we... realize we do. <laughs> we record two at the same time. Well, they would have um, if they look at some of the archive footage on YouTube, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Because we, we were all this... wearing the same clothes. <laughs> For two episodes, we had the same clothes. And then we, we did, magically shifted. We did, have like a, we did have a little bit of a time period, a couple weeks, where we're like, hey, let's change clothes in between. We'll really give them something to... <laughs> then we realized that was <laughs> then we're like, way too much We effort. didn't bring extra socks. We brought the same shoes. <laughs> yeah, so we record two in the same day. Because efficiencies. Yeah. And there's two episodes a week, so it would be very difficult to record. No, nah, it wouldn't be difficult to record twice a week. But there's no reason to. You yeah. group tasks together. That's part of like time management and efficiency. Absolutely. So like when you do your taxes, you make sure they have uh, everything in place. You don't like do your taxes one step at a time. You don't get like your W two and type that into TurboTax and then wait for your ten ninety nines and then type that in and then right right. Then you just do it all it. at the same yeah. time. You put everything in a file. Wait till everything's there. And then you sit down one day and you knock it out in I don't know twenty minutes or less. Mm-hmm. TurboTax. We're not sponsored by TurboTax. I've used TurboTax. That's what I used to. You just punch but my in. taxes are incredibly simple. Yeah. I mean, you can love or hate all of the tax changes in recent-ish history, mm-hmm. but... Standard deduction is pretty... <laughs> yeah, pretty it's, nice. it's made... Uh, as a financial planner, when, when we review taxes now, the amount of people actually itemizing above the standard deduction since they put a cap on state and local taxes is very minimal. Yeah. So a lot of people's taxes have been simplified unless you have, you know, complicating situations like businesses, rental properties, things like that. But for the average American, taxes aren't that hard anymore. I mean, paying them is <laughs> annoying. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But yeah. actually filing your taxes is, has become quite simple. So kudos to that, I guess. They did something. Daddy, what do taxes pay for? Oh, why everything. Policemen, trees, sunshine. And let's not forget the folks who just don't feel like working. God bless them. Well, what else is going on in your world? How's training going? Good. I'm in winter. It's called off-season, but it's not off-season. Okay. So I don't... I think it's off-season in quotes. Okay. So it's just like it's a 12-week strength block. So in cycling, uh, we are pretty notorious for not being the most muscular athletes in the world. Okay. I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, yeah, we're pretty frail when it comes to that. So for 12 weeks, focusing a little bit on weightlifting, nothing crazy, just a little bit. Here we go. Here we go. Come on, push it out. And then, uh, some different stuff on the bike that's supposed to build more muscle before we get into base training later in the year. Oh, okay. Uh, so just trust. So you have like off season, then you have base training. When's like the prime time? Uh, so it depends on what type of racing you do. Uh, I'm shooting for sort of a fall peak season, so okay. I'll be really fit in the fall. So just wait. This is, oh, yeah. this is just my beginning right here, what you're <laughs> looking at. But yeah. What about you? Uh, you know, I'm trying to do a bunch of different volleyball things. Volleyball is not going on anymore. No, volleyball is not going on right now. I couldn't get into the league this, uh, this round, but I definitely will be in that in the spring, um, joining a basketball league as well. So I really just... You're I'm made for basketball because you're 
Yeah. Tall. I just tall. assume everybody tall can play basketball. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody asks. Like, Especially if they are in Kentucky. Oh, you're over six foot. You play basketball. And for me, I'm like, yes, absolutely. I love basketball. And that that's definitely my favorite sport to play. So I'll play in some kind of league. I just like competitive sports. So I'll play in. I'll play in pretty much anything. You get me in a cornhole league, I'll do that for a weekend or whatever. I just I love playing in the competitive sports arenas. I think most people who do anything with financial markets are either physically competitive or intellectually competitive. Yeah, for because sure. Because it it takes a certain demographic to want to um, analyze markets and finances and optimize things and stuff like that. So yeah, not like not that. People are aggressive, but like there's certain level of competitiveness that I think comes with the industry that for sure maybe doesn't come with other industries. I can't think of other industries that wouldn't be, but yeah, I don't know. But we do have a question today, so let's get to it. It's something that you are passionate about and you have a lot of experience with. So let's listen coffee? to this question. Coffee. It is not about oh, coffee. Oh, man. <laughs> I think we're doing a whole episode on coffee. We should. We need to do another taste test, and you really get some of those. Uh, we need Thanks. to get you like the really strong blends. Like we need to get you to do a taste and all test. kinds of different things. Yeah, that would be <laughs> terrible. Oh my gosh, I hate coffee. I think it's the most disgusting thing. Oh. Well, good to know we agree. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get this question here from Angie. D-I-Y! Hi guys, my name is Angie. I've been listening to your podcast since mid-COVID when I started educating myself about money. My husband and I are self-employed. We have a little extra money to start investing. We have no debt except for our mortgage. We started by maxing out our Roth IRAs. Now we're curious about the HSA. We have uh, health insurance that we pay for ourselves. It is high deductible, but apparently it does not qualify for an HSA this year, which we just recently learned. So next year, 2022, we want to get a plan that does because I've heard the plans cost less. Here's the problem. We got on the website, healthcare.gov. For example, the bronze plan is compatible with HSA. Now, if it's compatible with HSA, it's $50 more. And to move up to the next plan, it's over $100 more per month. So I'm wondering why they're charging more for higher deductibles, less payments, only because it's compatible with the HSA. So do you have an answer for this? Is it worth it if it costs $50 more a month for the same almost worse coverage? Let me know your thoughts. Thanks again. It's a good one. It's complicated. Shopping for healthcare is complicated. It is complicated. It's ridiculous. But what what do you think about, you know, Angie's initial question of utilizing an HSA? What is an HSA, first of all, and kind of give us some background on it? All right. Why don't you say what an HSA is? You're well-versed in HSAs. Yeah. I, I mean, we deal with a lot of people that have HSAs. I currently don't have an HSA. I, I think I will have one um, in the near futures. HSA is a health savings account. It's kind of attached to a high deductible medi- uh, medical plan, just like she was talking about. Those are some options available on the exchange. They may be, uh, you may have an option for an HSA through an employer's healthcare plan. But essentially, what it is is you're going to have a higher deductible, meaning that you're going to pay more before the insurance is basically covering it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have the option to basically contribute to this health savings account, HSA, in order to save funds to pay off, you know, what they say is to pay off in the short term, you can pay, that can go towards your deductible. The amount that you would be spending on your deductible, you can have this savings account available to kind of put money towards it. But we have 
thought of and, and talked about several times on this podcast, the benefits of the HSA outside of just utilizing it to pay off towards your deductible. So talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So in an HSA, uh, any dollars that you contribute to HSA are what's considered an above the line deduction in your income. So what that means is you don't have to itemize. Uh, we were talking about how simplified the tax code is, right? You don't have to itemize your deductions to get an HSA deduction. So if you put a dollar in, it's like making a contribution to you know, your tax-deferred IRA, your traditional IRA. Um, you That reduces your income. So dollar for dollar, you're going to pay less tax uh, because of what you put into an HSA. Then you have the option of either just using that money to reimburse yourself for medical expenses um, some places will give you like a debit card. You could just pay directly for medical expenses, or you could actually treat it kind of like an IRA. So most uh, HSA providers will allow you to invest that money for the future. Uh, then it becomes sort of a future retirement medical spending savings account. And if you have the other areas of your financial life optimized, and you've got money set aside for you know current medical spending, the the one off doctor visits, or you've got an emergency fund that you can use for. Uh, you know, emergency room or urgent care visits, things like that, then you can allow this pool of money to grow tax-free and then use it later on in life for your Medicare premiums or for retirement health care expenses. Healthcare expenses of retirement are going to be one of your largest retirement expenses. And so having this sort of dedicated pool of money that you will not pay taxes on when you pull it out, as long as you use it for medical expenses, is huge. Um, it just gives you a massive, massive benefit later in life. And um, we have yet to see, I mean, HSAs are still an emerging thing uh, that people are using, but I would, it'd be very, very rare to see somebody who's in retirement and has a basically an overfunded HSA because they invested it um, and have too much money in it that it's not going to cover, or they're going to have so much money that it's it can be more than they need to cover Medicare and you know, all of the things that come with aging as a human. Yeah. And something else that we've talked about is the another benefit of an HSA. Not only are you putting it in tax deferred, it's, it's basically reducing your income. It's going to grow tax-free if you're investing it. And then you can pull that money out tax-free as well. So as long as you use it for medical expenses. As long as you use it for medical expenses. However, if you utilize an HSA and you save receipts over time, so you save, you know, your doctor visit. You save the money that you're you're spending on out-of-pocket costs. Then when you get into retirement and you want to pull money out of that HSA, you can almost utilize it as a um, you know, a supplement to your retirement benefits if you show to uh basically IRS I'm assuming. Yeah, you'd have to so when you file your taxes, you'd have to have the the historical proof of receipts and any expenses that you had right. uh, for medical stuff. And that's under current law, uh, depending on how old you are, that could change significantly by the time uh, you retire. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind. And uh, it only applies for medical expenses since you've had the HSA. So HSAs are not retroactive. So you can't, what that means is, let's say it's a, it's 2022, you've just now gotten the ability to uh, apply for a HSA you've got medical receipts from last year in 2021. Uh, you were not eligible for an HSA last year in 2021, so you cannot reimburse yourself for 2021 expenses. However, if you were eligible and had an HSA in 2021 and you had money in it, and now you switch to a new employer or something and you don't have an HSA in 2022, but you do have medical expenses, 
you can reimburse yourself for medical expenses in 2020. So it's forward looking, right? Like yeah. Once you have an HSA and you're eligible for it and you have money in it, you can reimburse yourself anytime. It's just not backward looking. And that's something that uh, people need to be reminded. Also, any um, medical expenses that have been reimbursed or deducted on your taxes previously, mm, yeah. um, you cannot double dip. So you can't also uh, reimburse and or um, take those out of the the HSA. So Makes that's sense. really important. But Angie's really confused because she's shopping around now for healthcare plans. And uh, I noticed this on our uh, Kentucky Health Exchange that the pricing on an HSA plan is uh, noticeably different from a non-HSA plan. Now, I don't know where Angie lives, so I was not able to go to the healthcare exchange and research the two different plans to pull out some of the nuances that she was talking about. So I can only really speak of the the one that I've looked at in Kentucky and uh, the ones that I've helped a couple people that we do planning with as, as they've chosen their benefits. And uh, one of the things that you will see is that if you're looking, especially on say healthcare.gov, you're looking at just a standard bronze plan. And then you're looking at the bronze, you know, with HSA and you'll know that it's an HSA plan because it has HSA actually in the name. So they actually do a really good job with that. Like, yeah, uh, you don't have to guess whether or not it qualifies for an HSA. It will 99, if not 100% of the time, it'll have HSA in the name if it's a HSA plan. And the reason for this is really important because what you define as high deductible, um, so anytime you talk to somebody about their insurance, everybody will pretty much say, oh, I've got this like crazy high deductible. Uh, but there are some really important stipulations for high deductible health plans that qualify for HSAs. And it's actually going to sound really counterintuitive. So threshold number one, one. one. There's a minimum deductible. That there's like the deductible has to be high enough to qualify for a high deductible health plan. In 2022, a family plan has to have a deductible that is no lower than $2,800. Okay. okay. So if your plan has a deductible that is $2,790, it's not $2,800, it's not going to be a HSA qualified high deductible health plan. You don't have to remember that because, again, it should have HSA in the name if it qualifies. But that would be run reason. Well, what we do know is if the deductible goes down, the, the price is going to go up. So that's not what Angie's talking about. Angie's talking about the reverse. The HSA is more expensive. And this is actually on the other side. And this is confusing, and it trips a lot of people up because it genuinely actually makes very little to no sense. Uh, so to qualify for an HSA, there's also an out-of-pocket maximum maximum. So okay, there's uh, part of your insurance plan is an out-of-pocket maximum. And that is once you reach your deductible and then the insurance actually starts paying for part of your medical care, you will not pay more in a calendar year than the out-of-pocket maximum. And your insurance company will have both an individual and family out-of-pocket maximum quoted for any plan. The reason for that is, is the individual will pay no more than X amount. And if you have a family, say... Uh, two parents and two kids. Yeah, parents and two kids, whatever. Uh, so four people. Uh, collectively, those four people won't pay more than the family out-of-pocket maximum, right? So in 2022, the individual, the uh, out-of-pocket maximum is $7,050. Okay, so okay. if you have health insurance uh, on this particular, let's say we were looking at a plan, uh, and you were just an individual, an HSA qualified plan, uh, you're not allowed to have a maximum out of pocket or the amount that you're on the hook for to be more than $7,050. The family side of that uh, is just double that, $14,100. So, so the plan has to have 
that that's the cap. That's it the cap, the maximum yeah. that you're uh, uh, allowed to have out of pocket. So this is the part that gets really super confusing, okay? Because with health insurance, if you want to make the health insurance premium cheaper, you have two levers that you can genuinely pull. Now, there's a whole like schedule of benefits. You can pay less percentage towards primary care visits and this and all that, right? But the two massive levers that you can pull and the, the two things that are easiest to review are your deductible, right? So if the if the deductible uh, amount goes down, so it's a lower threshold you have to reach, the premium goes up. If the deductible goes up, um, the premium level goes down. Right. Right. Simple math. Same thing with the out-of-pocket maximum because it's another buffer that, that is, you know, a lid on how much you can spend. So if your out-of-pocket maximum were to go down, then your premium is going to go up. And if your maximum out-of-pocket goes up, then your premium goes down. I think everybody gets the gist of what we're saying. So those amounts are critically important. The more you're on the hook for, the less you'll pay in premiums. The less you're on the hook for uh, because of the way that the either the deductible or the max out-of-pocket is structured, the less you're out on the hook for, uh, the more you'll pay for insurance. The more you're on the hook for, the less you'll pay for insurance. So that part at least made sense. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. So maybe in Angie's case, mm-hmm. um, the deductible may be increasing, which would in essence lower the premium. However, because she has a lower uh, out-of-pocket maximum, that could be increasing that premium amount because she essentially cannot pay over a certain amount. Yes, true. So in Kentucky, and that's it, man, it's been a couple months now since uh, enrollment, so. Uh, I've, I've not looked at them, but I do know that the bronze versus the bronze HSA, it's about 50 or $60 difference per month, 40, 60, something like that. It's, it's a reasonable difference per month, um, difference in premiums. And the main reason for that is, is if you looked at just the standard bronze plan, the lowest price plan that you can get on the uh, Kentucky Health Exchange, the maximum out-of-pocket is higher than the HSA plan. So this is where it kind of gets silly from a definition standpoint because you would think that the the plan with the least coverage would qualify for an hsa Mm -hmm. but because of these rules where an hsa has to have um, a maximum max out of pocket there are actually plans that provide the less coverage that do not qualify for an hsa a lower maximum out of pocket is considered um more coverage because it's less risk and burden that you're taking on as a family. So it has to be within these confines, within these goalposts for HSA to then be eligible and it to be an HSA considered plan. So it is very much possible for people who either don't want an HSA or want to spend as little on insurance as possible to find a plan that is cheaper than an HSA plan. Now, uh, I sign up for the HSA plan uh, on the um, health exchange, right? Mm-hmm. Which I just said was more expensive than the non-HSA plan. But let's take the maximum HSA contribution in a year, which is 7300 for this year, all right? And let's just say you're in the 20% uh, tax bracket. Now, is that 7300 for an individual or is that for a family? It's for a family. Okay. So we're just going to assume family uh, in this instance. So let's say 7300 and let's say uh, state and local, well, let's say 25%. Okay. okay. Uh, all in sort of tax, and remember this is a above the line deduction. So your this is at, you know your last dollar amount that you paid in an income is basically what it's saving you. So we'll say twenty five percent. Twenty five percent of seven thousand three hundred is one thousand eight hundred and twenty five. Okay. 
divided by 12 months in a year. 1825 divided by 12 months in a year is $152. Mm. So if you are going to be able to max out your HSA and you're collectively paying 25% on your top last dollar paid in, so that's kind of your, your uh, top tax bracket, right, uh, when you kind of consider all taxes, then as long as the difference in prices between those two plans is less than $152, you are still getting a benefit on the amount you're putting into an HSA. And that does not speak to then the tax-free growth and then the tax-free withdrawals. Because remember, because of that triple tax benefit, an HSA is actually slightly better than even a standard traditional IRA that you mm-hmm. take a tax deduction today. Now, in lower tax brackets, this could be significantly different. So that is one thing to keep in mind. That was a lot of technical stuff. Uh, what did we miss? I am Holy very moly. impressed, Daniel. That was nice. Well, perhaps we have a budding genius on our hands. You went through the whole statistical Jeez. analysis. That was really hard to do on audio. I'm sorry if you're like driving in a car somewhere in, in uh, traffic and you just have angst and you're like, now you're just talking through all these numbers. Um, but I mean, but it, that's just a, listen back to that slowly. Right. And I think you can see kind of how we. The summary makes the sense, benefits. though. I mean, you're if you're comparing. Apples to apples. If you're comparing a bronze plan that does not have an HSA to a bronze plan that does have an HSA, you need to also compare the benefit that you're getting from contributing to an HSA and getting that tax benefit there from your top line. And then also you need to consider, because some people may say, okay, well, then if I just didn't utilize the HSA, but like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you're likely going to use that money over time. You're going to use that money for healthcare expenses, whether it be in retirement or on the way there. You're going to utilize that money. So putting it away in HSA seems to be a pretty good option. Yeah. I mean, for most people, we can't make like standard statements. Right, but right. Yeah, for most. Now, if you're in a really low tax bracket, so if you're paying basically 0% tax or you know 10% tax, then that math may not work out at all, right? Because you take... 7,300 times a you know, 10% tax bracket divided by 12. Well, even that's still $60 a month. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't, I've not seen where the price differences are m- much more than that. Usually it's in that 40 to 60-ish range. But again, each state is slightly different. So you really have to understand your state's exchange. Yeah, and you have to consider if you actually have the margin available in your budget to be able to put the maximum in because if you want to utilize an HSA plan, you're now paying $50 a month more, but you can only put $2,000 or something into your HSA, then that makes the math different. Yeah. It's all kind of part of really understanding your own personal financial plan and and what works for you and really running those numbers and and seeing how to optimize that for your own personal life. So there's lots of rules of thumbs as we kind of ran through there, but how it really applies and personalizes to you is kind of the elements of financial planning. All right, we have ran way over time, so we need to really wrap it up. No, that was excellent. Um, But the secret to wealth is really very simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so for a very long time. Consider an HSA. Do the math. Run the numbers. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get 
a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.